Welcome, 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 my friends. You are listening to It's Simply Digital, and I am your host, Lisa Williams. This is the podcast that gives you tips, tricks, and strategies to up your digital marketing game and make you a savvy digital success. We dive into all things business, entrepreneurship, and of course, digital marketing. You are listening to episode number 100 of It's Simply Digital. And today I go back and bring you some really knowledge bombs from some amazing guests that I have interviewed over the past 99 episodes. And I'm so excited to bring you episode number 100. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Recognize Your Truth. Today, I am speaking with Mark Metry. He is a professional badass. Yes, I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, one life path laid out for you. You went to whatever church or whatever religion your parents went to. You did whatever your dad or your mom did. And you just didn't really question things, not because you weren't, um, you know, you didn't have freedom or whatever, just because there just weren't that many things in front of you. And so essentially, people of my generation are growing up and we are realizing that this is all BS. We are realizing that the world is opening up and there are about an infinite amount of paths that somebody can follow in today's world. And so, of course, that creates opportunity. It gives people freedom to do what they want to do, but it also creates a lot of uncertainty and even anxiety. Because if you have a thousand things to do or a thousand things you could do, how could you possibly decide what to do and what path to go on? You know, I was reading your bio and you says that you you started your own business back in 2007 by blogging. So kind of walk me through a little bit because You know, you say that you couldn't work for anybody else. You couldn't commute, especially in New York on Long Island. Um, And so tell me how how that got started and how you turned blogging into a business. And I always liked stuff like that because I played a lot of video games as a kid. So I was always into like, you know, how can I win the game or how many, you know, whatever. So it was intriguing to see like, oh, wow, I can get people viewing this. So I started writing um, just willy-nilly on this on this platform, um, and I found that there were all these things called blogs that weren't on Blogspot. They were on different platforms. WordPress is, is the most popular one, which all my sites are on now. And um, I saw that there were these little little square pictures all over them, and I didn't know what the hell that was, and they were ads. And so, you know. I really took to it, really liked it, learned how to create a a website on WordPress um, and it grew relatively quickly. Um, I became very, very immersed in it. Um, As as you and I had spoken about, you know, I would work my full-time job 8 to 6 p.m. or so and then I'd come home and just write for hours and hours and hours. Having a podcast gives you a platform to meet some amazing people and so I, I'm 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 so excited to, for you to be here. Welcome. Thank you. That that is the best reason to have a podcast and is to build this amazing network of people and have those conversations with people we would otherwise never meet. But then also, if you're building your business or your own personal brand, it never hurts to be in proximity of those people as well. So you gain a little bit of the credibility from the people that you interview as well. And you know, I hope I'm getting some credibility from working with you today or today. <laughs> well, thank you. And you know, I didn't even think about 
launching a podcast to to do all those things that we just talked about. Really, it was just a passion of mine to share some of my experience and to share some of my knowledge and and really just to kind of have a voice out there so that hopefully I resonated with somebody and somebody and connected with somebody and they like an aha moment or a light bulb went on. But as I started reaching out and bringing guests on and interviewing people and connecting and networking, I was like, whoa, this is a whole new world out here. It's been truly amazing. Yeah, it's like being able to ask them anything you want too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been crazy. Okay, so let's let's find out um, a little bit about you. Tell me, you know, what you do, and I know you you know business coaching is always something so um, something that everybody needs, especially in this space of entrepreneurs and side hustles and everybody trying to grow an online presence. So so kind of speak a little bit about what you do. Well, I guess most times when I get on stage or I get on a show, they introduce me nowadays as the side hustle millionaire. And that's the title of the book that I wrote that came out in 2018, became a number one bestseller on Amazon. But that title alone is not a fiction title. It basically describes my actual career of oil and gas. I was an engineering project management in oil and gas for 25 years, but I love cars. I'm a car fanatic and I love to build race cars and all kinds of things. So. I wanted to go create some businesses as a hobby in the automotive space to maybe get some discounts on parts or have my car paid for, you know, it'd be kind of cool thinking really small. Well, those things made millions of dollars in profit. You know, you hear people talking about millions of dollars nowadays. A lot of time they talk about revenue, the top line. Right. I sold those companies. I, I built these things as part-time things. It took less than an hour a day once I got them going and they generated about $400,000 a year in profit. And I sold that for a couple million dollars in five years. So years ago, many years ago, this is back in the early 90s actually, I published my first book. Uh, it was called Endless Referrals. And the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts for Sales. And it was basically a how-to book on how people who, you know, entrepreneurs and salespeople, people who believe in what they, they do and, and their product or service, knew they could provide great value to others, but they, they didn't feel necessarily comfortable in the process of going out and building relationships. So the first thing I kind of thought was, so what then is the major characteristic of a salesperson or entrepreneur who is able to both quickly and sustainably cultivate those kinds of no like and trust relationships? And, and it really comes down to they're givers. They're always giving value to others. Their focus is on giving value to others. So the, 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 so the title was there, we had that go-giver. But the, the best thing I did for this book, Lisa, was contacting my friend, John David Mann, who I'd never actually met in person, but worked closely with him as the editor of a magazine. He was the editor-in-chief, and I used to write articles for that magazine. And John was my editor, and he was brilliant. He was brilliant in the editing, but I also knew that he was brilliant as a storyteller and a writer. I can feel your passion and I can see your energy. Um, so that, that was kind of leads me to another question is, how did you come up with the five laws? Where did those come from? Because they, they really spoke to me as being an entrepreneur and you know going on this journey of um, leadership and self-development. So where did you come up with those five laws? Well, value was pretty easy to come up with because it's the, the foundational principle the law of value. You know, in a free market-based economy, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one is 
forced to do business with anyone else. People right. do bi business with each other of, of their own volition, okay? In a free market-based economy, the only way someone is ever going to purchase from you or do business with you is because they believe the value they receive is greater than the price they're paying for it, okay? So, you know, I often, when I speak at a sales conference, I'll, I'll begin by saying, you know, how many of you would agree with the following statement? Nobody's gonna buy from you because you have a quota. Thanks for having me, Lisa. It's fun to be here. I'm super excited. We've kind of um, had to juggle our schedules to make this happen. So I'm glad that we finally worked it out. 100%. All right, so let's get started. Tell me a little bit about the Makeover Master. What is? What do you do and who do you serve? Yeah, you know, I, I work with small business owners and entrepreneurs where their, their business is stuck. Uh, maybe it's not working or it's not working as well as they want it to. Uh, they're, they're passionate about what they sell or how they help the world, uh, but they can't seem to figure out the real reasons why it's not working, why, why they're not attracting enough leads or enough clients or whatever. And so I come in and, and work with them one-on-one -on -one with some strategy. And then after we get the business working, we help uh, make it pretty and do some branding and some websites and stuff. And how did you get started in that? How, what what made what led you down that path? Yeah, you know, um, I I think I started uh, I started in 2004, very entrepreneurial minded. Um, I was running a mortgage company at the time, uh, grew it from scratch, really, from from six of my friends and, and myself to 250 people, 10 offices. Uh, that that crashed in 2008 along with the housing crisis and very interesting times, kind of similar what to, to what we're going through now with the coronavirus and stuff. Right. Um, and, and at that time, I, I remember I just said, you know, I want to I want to do this this thing, this entrepreneurial thing like a lot of people do. I wanted less complexity. I wanted to work from home. I wanted less emails. I wanted more money in my bank account, you know, and and so I kind of started from scratch in 2008 uh, from a home office and really didn't have a plan or a vision of how it was going to uh, evolve. I just knew I knew I had the end goal in mind. I wanted I wanted to hang out with my friends and my family and travel. Um, I wanted to do something I was passionate about, but I started from scratch and it evolved over 2008 to 2015. I'd created over 50 plus brands. Um, in what I now call my self-discovery phase. It was, it was having an idea. Um, maybe it's coaching for real estate agents. Maybe it's a CRM for uh, loan officers or whatever it was. We would create a logo, a Facebook profile, uh, a website and a brand around it. And we would launch this idea. And out of the 50 plus ideas, you know, 47 of them flopped and three did pretty well. Uh, so I began to see the patterns like what, what worked? Why did this business work? Why did this business fail? Um, and I just fell in love with the process of it all. And, and in 2015, I decided to start helping others. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to another episode of Recognize Your Truth. Today, today's guest is Lucas Macello. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. <laughs> and he is a public speaking coach. And uh, we've kind of been chatting offline and he has so much valuable information to share. So I cannot wait to dive into this interview. Welcome, Lucas. Hey, thank you for having me. 
So tell me a little bit about Level Up Living. Level Up Living on the surface, we do public speaking training and uh, our, our, our flagship program is called Speak With Confidence. That's where we start and it's for entrepreneurs and leaders who want to become more confident speaking in public. So maybe they're being held back because of fears or anxieties or they're actually getting on stage, but they just don't feel like themselves. They feel really, their mind races and, and it's not the real them that's showing up on stage. And that's what we do. We help them to get in, in tune with who they are and, and really to be able to stand in their power to speak the truth. And how do you do that? Like how, so, because I really want to dive into yeah. what you do as far as like mindset training and because we all could do anything we want to do. It's fear that holds us back. It's our mind. It's our own, it's our own, we get in our own way. So I really want to kind of unpack, like, how do you do that? How do you give people the confidence to walk on stage and know that they have a huge audience to talk to and they could really crush it? Well, okay, so there's a lot in those statements that you just said. Now, you mentioned going from you know where they are to get on stage and know that they can crush it. It's like, okay, that in itself is a massive journey. Because okay. a lot of times, so even when we talk about mindset, so we got to start off with the foundation, which you alluded to, is that we get in our own way. And that's the first. The first piece is embracing and recognizing that this is you versus you. Because a lot of times when I'll work with clients, they'll tell me stories where my teacher in elementary school made me read in front of the class and I felt humiliated, or my parents. They would tell me that I was too loud and I just need to be quieter or society, you know, society was telling me that, you know, don't be so over the top. And actually a lot of my female clients will tell me that, you know, growing up, they were, they were told that uh, girls are to be seen, not heard. Right. You know, and that's a more of a generational pattern that comes up. And, and so, you know, what happens is like, it's not about, it's not about saying that these, these things didn't happen. But when we fixate on it, so a person that's going to say, yeah, but my mom told me I was too loud or, oh, my teacher humiliated me, th that's external and you will never get past it. And so instead it's about taking ownership going, okay, that might have happened. Let's acknowledge that. But this is me versus me today. And what decisions can I do today to start making progress? So the first piece of mindset is to embrace that this is, this is a battle of you versus you because we're the only limiter. Uh, in in our in our journey and what we can achieve, and you know that's what I talk about all the time is you know we have our own fears we get in our own way. Oh, yeah. I love how you kind of said you know uh, my grade school teacher put me in front of the class and because everything that we have in our head at this very moment, all the fears are all. Um, a combination of our experiences that we've had growing up, whether it be a coach, a teacher, a mentor, a sibling, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so we are a combination of all that swirling around in our head. And really to find our own truth, we have to have those experiences ourselves. And so how do you get your clients to have those own their own experiences? Yeah, great question. So this is about coming to face themselves. So that's the thing is, is our training. The first and foremost, we have to create a safe, supportive environment because people come in 
they're on edge. You know, they they've had these experiences, and so one thing I really want to reinforce is that it's it's important to acknowledge that these past experiences, the teacher and the parent and society, these are all real forces. But it's in taking ownership of it. Okay, that happened to me, and I did what I had to do to survive. Now, the survival piece that could show up either not seizing speaking opportunities, not putting yourself out there, or having tremendous fear. And so, one piece that's counterproductive, and, and this is what we have to talk about in our in our course, is step one is release the anger, because that anger towards those other people, it's still going to keep you stuck. It's like, okay, so that happened. Let's release the anger. I'm here today. And this, the armor and the masks that we wear to protect ourselves, to survive and get through, that armor is now, it's hurting us. It's hurting us from our, our past. So the other piece though is it served us and we got to acknowledge this go, thank you armor, thank you mask, you got me here today. Now we can part ways, but here's the other step though. When we drop the armor, when we drop the mask, we have to become vulnerable. All right, I have with me David Breyer. Hi, David, how are you? Welcome. I'm very, very good, Lisa, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So you are my first guest on It's Simply Digital. So I've recorded probably 85-ish podcasts um, with Recognize Your Truth, switching over to It's Simply Digital, relaunched, rebranded. And so you're my first guest that I'm bringing on as I've rebranded, so welcome. Well, thank you very much. Obviously, we're going to have to make this amazing so everyone can struggle and figure out how the hell do we follow that up. Right. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So just share a little bit about what you do. You know, I know we're going to talk about brand building and business building. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you do. Well, basically what I do is I, you know, I take companies out of the uh, out of the noisy chaos of, the, of uh, all the whatever industry they're in uh -huh. and uh, basically with the goal of obliterating and, and, uh, and wiping out their anonymity because um, they because they've just been using me too messages and sort of like oh oh people are doing that so we're gonna do that and we're gonna try a little bit better and then and so that that's that's just a losing battle when you just are going head to head with like the same, the same old same old. So how do you do that? How do you break that apart for a client? Well, based, well, there's a uh, there's a whole method that I've developed, which is which is in you know I've covered a, a lot of it, a lot of the core basics in my book Brand Dimension, uh -huh. um, and and but basically. You know, I found after 40 years of working with brands that it was, there were specific things that kept on coming up. They were like repetitive confusions, questions, points of unclarity, missteps. Um, and it didn't matter whether the companies were large, small, newer, older, or what industry. It was just kind of like it, these were the universal blind spots. So that's what I do is I, I help my clients navigate through that and we find out, you know, what is really their core differentiator and then really develop from that, their brand story. And from that, then, then how does it now, how does the world get to recognize them again? So visually they're also differentiated properly. So that is a very, very short summary of what it is. <laughs> Well, and you know, I love studying marketing and, and 
brand building and the psychology behind building the brand. So that's, I love that, like that, I geek out over that. So I read a lot. I, you know, do a lot of research on that. And so one of the things that I know to be true from all the research that I've done is you have to create that emotional connection through the brand. Um, and, you know, I'm going to speak about like Apple or Southwest Airlines or, you know, some of these big famous brands that we know of, you know, you have to make your audience feel like they're part of the cult. And, and I'm an, a Mac girl and an Apple girl. So I can say that I'm part of the cult. I, I bought into the messaging. So I, I just want you to speak on that a little bit about creating that emotional connection with the audience. Yeah. Well, basically, basically the, the brands you're talking about um, are the brands that kind of are, they're a bit bigger than, they're definitely way bigger than the category that they're in. They're definitely way bigger than the products or services that they offer. Um, they're, they answer to something more, more timeless rather than something transient. Something transient is going to be okay, could be this year's iPhone or, or this year's whatever. Uh, right. This invention or hot, whatever. But that stuff is transient. That is being done to answer to something bigger, you know, some bigger overriding purpose uh, and role in the world. And that's where, that's where it gets exciting because you have to look at the micro and the macro at the same time. You know, the micro is, okay, the small little nuances and how that intimately impacts a customer or a client. And then the macro is obviously... And how does this fit in the scheme of the world? Or, you know, how are we going to, you know, make our impact and leave our dent and, and not just come, you know, be, you know, come to the party with our list of features, you know? Right. It's like, right. Because every, everybody's going to say we're better, we're this or we're that or blah, 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 blah. And you go, okay, how are you going to compete against that? So you got to, you got to work that part out. That's the, that's the key. That's the key secret tool. Right. And so, um, you know, I know you have to, have a story unfold while you're building the brand. And so how, how do you deconstruct that for your clients? How do you get into the mind of their audience where it's going to make their audience feel something, whatever it is supposed to make them feel? How do you unfold that story? How do you create that story? You have to become, you have to become really expert at looking. I call it finding what's hiding in plain sight. That's what I call it. Um, but you go, okay, so people have expressed an interest in blah, 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 whatever industry. That sure. is. So you see, you look at that, you go, okay, well, what's good about that? What are the complaints about that? And then you look at, well, what's the actual aspiration? Why do they want to do that? Right. You know, so let's, let's take a brand that everyone knows. You go like Nike. You go, okay. So you go, okay, well, they've got, you know, people are, people do sports, people do this, people do that. Um, they like to hike or they like to run or they like to do whatever. All right, good. And so we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to create sportswear and sports gear to, you know, that match with that lifestyle and that, and that, and, but more importantly, what's the aspiration that it aligns to? And, and then you go, okay, so good. We've made a better X, Y, Z. How, now, what's the actual aspiration? You know, and that's where some, right. some ingenious like just do it makes sense when you look at the overall narrative of brand. Uh, just do it by itself. You go, what the hell is that? What do those words mean, right? Right, so, right. But this is, um, but this, this is different. 
And, you know, speaking of Nike, you know, when you look at their commercials and their advertising, they don't ever talk about their facts or their benefits or their features of their shoes or their apparel or whatever they're selling. I mean, you never hear them, you know, talk about it. They're showing, like you said, somebody hiking, somebody running, somebody climbing, somebody jumping, you know, they're so you as an audience, as a customer could see yourself doing that. And and that's where they're creating that connection. And so I, I think sometimes, so that's great for like a shoe company and an athletic apparel company like Nike, because you could feature all these athletes and all this stuff. So how do you do that for like a software company or, you know, something on the tech edge? How, how do you do that? Well, I mean, you know, for example, I mean, as a, a client of mine is in the security awareness training, which is basically with all the, with all the, the hacking and the little, little, little phony emails and different things that are, that attempt to, you know, basically get someone's account and, or businesses. Sure. I mean, there's billions and billions of dollars that are actually lost every year, right? Sure. Um, in, the, in, in those cyber crimes. And so I had to develop for, for my client. I mean, so I developed not only the name Know Before, because the whole concept was knowing before. Right, right. And then to, to make it more connected, it was like human error conquered, right? That kind of simplified. It didn't, so it didn't come out sounding like geeky. It didn't, and, and they, went from, they went from a startup to a billion dollar unicorn in eight years. Wow. Wow. That's pretty awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. So you said you've been doing this for 40 years. So tell me, what have you been doing? Marketing, brand building, you know, obviously before the internet was the internet, obviously before social media was social media. So, so what, what have you, what have you learned over the 40 years that you've been doing this? You know, what, what is, because marketing now is so easy to have a connection with your audience through social media. So how have you seen that evolved and what has changed? What do you think has changed and what do you think still remains the same? Um, well, what's changed is access. Mm-hmm. What remains the same is the same challenge of, of just because you have access doesn't mean just, it's kind of like just because you can talk doesn't mean the jewels are going to come out of your mouth. You could be, you could be as stupid silent as you can be when talking. Right. 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 So having a voice doesn't make you immediately intelligent and having access doesn't immediately make you a good brand or a good marketer. So, so you still always have to be observant. You still always have to be um, questioning and looking and paying attention to the little nuances, the little tells, I call them the tells, like a, like if you're playing poker, there's someone has a tell, right? Right. Um, right. You know, so I look for the little tells of like, Oh, okay. You know what, what's not being said. Right. And right. how do you, how do you hone in on that, on that, that thing that, that, that your audience holds dear. So, you know, and I, and I, I consider it, I didn't like the transition at first because I didn't like the ease with which people could do supposedly good things on the computer, quote unquote. Right. Um, you know, when it took, it took years to perfect those skills prior to a computer. So someone couldn't just 
click and drag on their on their device and that 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 was annoying to me the first <laughs> because i'm going you you don't you, you don't have because i because you have to understand i mean you know i mean that that you know that's i did that painting when i was 15 okay okay you know, all, almost all of this is artwork of mine in my office. Oh, that's really cool. And so, you know, so, so I don't come from a place of, I mean, I know some people, they, 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 they don't have the, the art skills. They don't have the writing skills. They have a good eye and ear for what's good, but that puts them more into a directorial capacity and not, or a creative or a creative director capacity, not necessarily a creator capacity. So I, I'm, I have, I always have one foot in the trenches and one foot in overseeing at the same time. So I, but I enjoy because every time I'm working on language or working on story or working on design, I'm refining it and refining it and refining it. Cause I, I never go into a project and not learn something. It's like, Ooh, like that was great. Right. That, that right. really, that really sweetened up that message. That, smoothed out or simplified the clarity with which that punched somebody right between the eyes. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, marketing, like I, I went to school for marketing. I got a degree in marketing, however many, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, um, which dates me. And so, you know, like when I got out of school and had my degree in marketing, you know, none of this obviously existed, social media, podcasting, right. blogs, any of that stuff. And so it was a lot of face-to-face -face interaction, a lot of, you know, sales and marketing kind of went hand in hand. And, you know, being in this industry, it's kind of like sales and marketing are completely divided now. They And there's completely different roles and marketing has to basically do all of the brand building and the face of the company and then turn it over to a sales department in a B2B world. And so, you know, how do you think or, or how, do you, how do you do that? How do you cohesively work the marketing and the sales piece together? Or for a small business or an entrepreneur, how do you transition between both of those? Well, there's one, well, there's one part that you didn't mention, which is the branding component. And I mean, so you got, you got, you got this three headed monster of branding, marketing, and sales, uh -huh. but, but it's not actually a three headed monster because that would mean that they're all equal. Right. Uh, branding comes first. If, because if you have not established your why, how and why you're different, and if you've not established your brand story, um, then what the hell are you marketing? You know, so, so marketing in my eyes is marketing is in the business of, of executing. All right. You get out the promotions, you get out the this, you get out the that, you get out the communications, da, 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 da. but what's that built on and what's guiding that? That's the brand. And then sales, I can turn any sales team. I could, I could, you know, I can increase their, their close rates and efficiency rates way more just by them actually truly knowing the brand and the story not it's not the feature list. If you want a feature list, have a feature list. But a feature list was never designed to open somebody's mind and open somebody's heart. Right. You know. Right. Um, and so it really goes to me. It goes from like it goes from like heart, mind, body, or, or not body, but but like wallet. Like so, really heart, mind, and just there. Then you can get a transaction. Sure. If you don't, if you, some, but but uh, the sales industries, the certain industries that get a crappy name is. 
They go straight for the wallet, like car dealerships, right? Oh, hey, you're here to drive out with what kind of car today? You know, you want to punch them in the head. Right, right. So, okay, so, you know, creating connections on social media and having access to so many people that you didn't have access to before um, and creating that brand's message and that story, how do you sell the story? How do you create that emotional connection? I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't put it as selling the story. I mean, the, the story sells itself if it's a good story. Okay. I agree with you. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you create that story? When you meet with a client, a potential client or a new client, what are you, you know, what are you trying to figure out what is it that they're trying to sell or they're trying to market and how do you best create that story to unfold, to make that emotional connection? Is that what you're trying to do or what are no. you trying to do? No, I'm trying to do something very different. I'm looking at, I'm looking at what the product or service is. Mm -hmm. and I'm going good. What, what fundamental purpose is this fulfilling for that audience that makes that audience care? Okay. And so yeah, I'm, not how... at, I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at the product as the, as the final, I'm not looking at the service as a final. I'm looking at that as that is, that is something that helps forward and close the gap between where someone is today and where they want to be in a week, a month, five months, a year, right? right. Every product or service closes the gap in some way. Maybe by being smaller, maybe by being simpler, maybe by sounding clearer, maybe by having a more wonderful user experience, maybe by feeling better when we walk in it, maybe by tasting better when we get it. If I, if I loved everything in my life, I would never be seeking anything else. I just keep reordering the same old crap. Right, I, right. No, but I'm like, ooh, then, you know, what gets us to me, to me, I ask questions like, what gets me and you to ooh, to go ooh? ooh. <laughs> What's that like, right? Right, like, well, right. What gets me to a point of curiosity? What gets me excited? And so, so I'm looking at the triggers that get people excited. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the things that get prospects driven, you know, and driven to go wow because that thing, that service or product, now aligns to some purpose and value that I have or aspire to be. And so I think that is step one. And then I think step two is like what you said of college of, um, I mean, you know, college was the way out. College was the way that you got an education because the internet didn't exist or right. online education wasn't really a thing. And so I think we just need to sort of um, maybe just loosen up the definitions of college um, and, you know, sort of remove it from like a, not necessarily remove it, but just look at it in terms of perspective, in terms of like what it actually does in this world versus sort of putting it up on a pedestal and just sort of religiously embodying it and saying, oh, this is college, this is right. I mean, the matter of the fact is, is, is like, listen, if, if you go to a school and you're trying to study graphic design and it's some school that isn't even that well known or, or that good at graphic design and you go there and you spend $80,000 for four years, that's probably a ripoff. And so I think it definitely depends on the person. It depends what they want to do. It depends on their goals. 
But I think the other thing to mention is, you know, because college or rather because co- like dropping out of college has gotten cool now and everyone is doing right. it and it's like, it's like the hallmark of, of like a genius or some person who's going to make a billion dollars. Um, I also see a lot of kids just sort of potentially falling into that trap. And what I always say is like, like you have to create your own system. You have to create your own college. I wrote this article on LinkedIn a couple months back and it was, I failed the education system, so I made my own. And so I think the, the biggest aspect of like, you can't just sort of drop out of this and just just do whatever with your life. You have to find something that is as equally as challenging as putting yourself in some sort of an institution, whether that's you making it on your own or you, know, you use the internet, you have mentors, you have coaches, you have guides that can offer that same sort of challenge for you too. Thanks again for listening to It's Simply Digital. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps me bring on some amazing guests. And you could get a hold of me at itsimplydigital.com or Lisa at itsimplydigital.com. I hope you have a blessed day.